Hello, friends. Welcome back to Redrawing the Bath. This is your host, Chris Harmon, and today I have the opportunity to welcome to the show someone whose work is practical yet complex, very well explained, very thorough, very helpful for Christians to understand and non-Christians to understand what is going on when we are told to continuously renew our mind and, and be transformed and and change and adapt. I get to welcome to the show my new friend, the author of Renewing Your Mind, the conference speaker, and the Reconstruction Rebel himself, Todd Vick. Todd, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here, Chris. So I usually start out just by asking people what their story is. Like, where where did you start in your Christian journey, and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, that's a that's a fun story. Um, I, I I guess it really started for me in, in uh, 1983. I was um, 15, 16 years old and started going to church with some friends from school and, you know, did what did what they do. It was a Southern Baptist church. And I, I walked the aisle and I filled out the card and I got baptized and, um, you know, just kind of went went with it that way. And then I ended up going, uh, getting called into the ministry a little bit later in my adult life went and finished, um, my college education. I'm still working on the master's part, but, um, and then I was in the ministry for, you know, 10 years as a youth minister, 20 as a pastor. Uh, mm. and it, it was, it was just quite a ride, not all bad, but uh, just a, a really exciting journey. Um, mm. and so, you know, my, uh, experience with, with that growing up, especially, um, not many people are as old as me, but, um, you know, back in the eighties and the late seventies, early eighties, we had this, um, uh, problem with contemporary Christian music being of the devil. And we were all mm-hmm. listening to, uh, you know, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. And, you know, we were being told that, you know, they're not honoring God. They're just honoring themselves. And if you listen to them, you're, you're wrong. And so I kind of grew up with all of that, you know, being whispered in my ears, of course, now, if you look at any hymnal in any church, you're going to find songs by Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, um, <laughs> Rich Mullins, you know. But you yeah. know, back then, it was like, no, 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 we can't do that. Um, so we we listened to uh, praise and worship mostly. But um, but yeah, that was those were fun days. Uh, I probably I'd, I could probably do a whole episode about that. So I'll just stop right there. But yeah, that was yeah. fun being a part of that and seeing the uh, the transition from you know it being of the devil to it actually being useful and helpful and, and a blessing. Um, mm. so in, in, in the ministry, I kind of had the same things. Um, my Christian walk was pretty much all about making sure that I didn't upset anybody by doing the mm. wrong thing. Uh, and I took that into, you know, youth ministry, you know, always trying to please the parents, uh, always trying to please the, the, the pastor and the church staff. Um, even to the point of just sacrificing what was in my heart to do. And the same thing, you know, followed me into the ministry for all those years uh, as pastor. Um, the last church that I pastored was in 2016. That's when I, I left and, and I, I did, I left, I quit. Um, Cause I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, mm. You know, you do that so long and you just kind of lose who you are in, in Christ. And I had no idea who I was. I was just trying to be what everybody else expected me to be. And so I went through a period of uh, deconstruction starting in uh, 16. Uh, and it went on for a couple of years. 
and then began to um, do some reconstruction. But the renewing of your mind uh, started as a Bible study that we were doing on Wednesday nights at the last church I was at. Um, and so I, you know, being the nerdy teacher that I am, I thought it would be neat to um, bring in some science into the, you know, Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, you know, started studying things like neuroplasticity and how the brain works and uh, just began doing a lot of great, exciting research on that stuff. Because, I mean, I just I find it fascinating and, you know, everybody calls me a dork, but that's okay. Um, But I find it fascinating how the brain works. You know, God gave us this thing. He made us with a brain and it Mm. is the most powerful organ that we have. It literally controls everything inside of our body, but we are finding that it actually controls, you know, the outward expression of things as well. And so there's just a lot that the brain can do that we are just now beginning to realize. And I, I just find this stuff fascinating. So I, you know, tried to bring that into the Bible study and uh, it was mostly, you know, senior adults and, and uh, middle-aged and they weren't really interested in that. And then I ended up leaving, but uh, you know, just kind of kept that going because uh, I just felt so strongly that there's something there. Uh, so I wrote mm. the book. It took about two years and then it got published um, last October, October the 1st is when it came out. And um, I just, I mean, I wrote the book in a weekend and then I totally scrapped that version because I just didn't like how it went. And then I rewrote it and it took uh, it took about a year and a half, two years. <laughs> and so the, you know, what's out there now is the final product of that. But um, it was just, it, it's been a process of transformation. Uh, in my life, you know, just kind of letting go of all of that religious, um, you know, those religious mind traps that they, you know, that were taught and, and people don't need to teach us bad things. I'm not saying that they're evil people. They were mm. teaching us what they knew to teach. Um, and so that's, you know, that's just kind of what we were, what we were getting, uh, obedience and all that, you know, was part of the deal. And, and if you didn't, and if you questioned anything about your faith and, you know, you were sinning and you needed to repent and stuff like that just for years and years. And when I finally let go of all of that back in 2016, um, of course, the deconstruction part is a very lonely time. It's a very mm-hmm. scary time because it, it's like a divorce uh, in so many ways. Um, you know, leaving the church was one thing, not not going to church anymore after all those years was weird for me. Uh, but I actually you know, was more relaxed and, and all of that. But um, just the, the idea that God may not be real anymore was frightening to me. Um, and so I just, you know, it was just a process of asking those hard questions and then finding people that are like-minded and uh, just been able to meet so many wonderful people like yourself through this process uh, that know what I'm talking about, that know what it's like to go through deconstruction and then reconstruction. um, And it's just ongoing. Um, Just, you know, and it's all part of the, I didn't even know what the word deconstruction meant until like earlier this year. But, you know, when I wrote the book, it was, it's basically a book about religious deconstruction. Um, but I go with, you know, the, the renewing of your mind, be transformed. And the transformation that, that uh, Paul was talking about is um, it's like a metamorphosis type of transformation, something that happens inside of you and then begins to express itself on the outside, whereas being conformed, you know, which is what I was before. And it's what, if we were willing to admit it, we, we're all kind of conformed. Uh, to Mm -hmm. a a religious activity or process or way of thinking, Um, instead of being conformed, which is, you know, the world creating pressure that causes us to change on the inside, you know, the transformation is being, you know, starts on the inside and begins to metamorphosize into a a deeper spiritual walk. And then when you can, when you can get a hold of that, 
then when you minister to people, it's, it's different. It's not like you're trying to say, you know, Hey, if you'll believe this and if you'll believe that, then God's going to do this and God's going to do that. It's just like, no, man, just start where, where you are. Let's just start with the basics. Jesus, who is he? What does he mm. mean? Um, and so just the process of that is just so amazing. Uh, and I've just had such a great time doing it and I've had you know, great, you know, the book hasn't been like a New York times bestseller or anything like that, but, uh, it did better than I ever thought it would do. And it's, you know, still people are still buying it. Um, and last time I saw they're buying it in the UK and Australia, even in Canada. Wow. So I never, I never thought it was going to do all that, but I'm, I'm, that's exciting. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, you know, I wanted to write it to, to help people. There's, there's a, a bit of the science in there. Uh, there's some of my stories of growing up and, you know, things that impacted my life and affected the way I thought, uh, and then how all of that began to change. And, and then there's, um, scripture in there as well. So, you know, got to put that in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some, some new twists on old scriptures that I thought, you know, were a, a big part of my, uh, my transformation as well. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the story. Um, I could mm. probably go on for hours, but I, I just like hearing the story. So thank you yeah. for asking. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's so important to, to so many of us. And I think you said it, it did better than you could ever, or it's doing better than you could ever imagine. And I, I'm not surprised because that idea of renewing your mind being this like you said, a, a metamorphosis taught it. It's, it's not taught. It's not something that's really thought about. It's just, I mean, at least within my own upbringing, the whole do not be conformed to the, the patterns of this world or the thinking of this world. I can't remember what the exact wording is, mm -hmm. but it's, it was literally like, Hey, like anything outside of American evangelicalism, like if you're not voting for Bush, like exactly don't conform to the patterns of this world. But, and, Man, there's so much that, that you've said that I want to touch on, but I'm not surprised that, that it's doing well because this is a message that people want to hear. It's a message that pe and it's also a message that people need to hear because we've kind of just been selling each other the same thing for so long. And I mean, there's so many people my age and, and so many people within the communities that, that we interact in that are going to churches, whether they be mainline Protestant or Reformed or Charismatic that are like, that's it. Like this is, yeah. this is all that you have to offer me, like just this little thing. And, and so, or not even little thing, but it comes to a point where you kind of run out of stuff to teach and talk about when that's just not what, that's not what the biblical text demonstrates. That's not what life in Christ demonstrates. That's not what our brains demonstrate. Right. So it's just a, it's a fascinating I say this all the time. It's a fascinating conundrum we've put ourselves in. Yeah, yeah it really is. The the but religion I, the religion takes hold of you at some point in your life, and you just begin to grow in that, and you let mm. the, you let the religion conform you um, to what they want and to what they expect. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that has you know been through that. Um, but you know whether you're Lutheran, Catholic. Baptist, Southern Baptist, you know, it, it, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, the, the religion, the teachings are there and they want you to conform to these teachings so that you can join their congregation and basically just create more of people like that. Uh, and that, mm. I, 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 that's like the worst kind of conformity in my opinion, um, mm. you know, getting people to conform to a, a religious mindset instead of, you know, being transformed by the, the power of, you know, Jesus and the renewing of your mind and, and just really seeing, um, how utterly useless 
man-made religion is and how it really doesn't make a difference in anyone's life. And I thought I discovered this early uh, as a pastor, like nine months into my first pastorate, I was ready to quit. I was talking to my mentor who, you know, older guy who, you know, kind of brought me along. And and I said, how did you do this for so long? How can you stay a pastor for so many years? Because I'm done. I'm out. I've done everything I've been taught and it's not working. <laughs> and so, there, you know, it's just reality that this this stuff is not it's not going to, it may help for a little while. You may think it's helping, but ultimately it's, it's not going to change anything in the long haul. Uh, the, mm. the only thing that can do that is really knowing Jesus, um, knowing his message, living his message, loving God, loving others. Uh, and that's where it starts. And it, and, and it just kind of grows from that. And, and it's a, it's not a religious mindset anymore. It's more of a love mindset, uh, a Jesus mindset. You know, the Bible says that we already have the mind of Christ. We don't have to go looking for it. We've already got it. Um, mm. We just need to use it. And I, yeah. think, uh, I think that's where we are right now as a country. And as, especially in America, Christians are so sick and tired of the same old, same old. Um, and many people are, are turning to authors like Keith Giles and Carl Forehand and podcasts, you know, by people like Jason Elam and yourself, um, realizing that, hey, there's, there's something missing from my life. I'm, I've probably been uh, in the church my whole life, but there's something still missing and I don't know what it is and I'm, I need to find that out. So one day I Googled, um, during my deconstruction, I Googled progressive Christianity <laughs> and came across a, um, a Pathios article by Keith Giles. I don't even remember what the article was, but it was really good. Uh, mm. And then another, another author, um, Benjamin Corey, um, love to meet him sometime too, but Keith and I have become very good friends. Um, I love his work. I love his books and uh, just love the way he thinks. Um, yeah. it, I just was so honored that, you know, I reached out to him and he wrote right back and said, yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's talk about it. Um, and so he introduced me to a lot of the people that I know now, and it's just been, it's been quite a ride deconstruction, reconstruction. Um, I've, I finished my second book. I didn't, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, uh, no. waiting to be published right now by choir publishing. Uh, I think we're polishing it right now, making sure that it's ready for print. But I'm um, looking forward to that. It's called The Reconstructing of Your Mind. It's kind of a kind of picks up where the first book left off and then um, already mm -hmm. outlining the third book, which is going to be called The Releasing of Your Mind. Uh, and that's where metaphysics and things like that are going to come in. But uh, it's just exciting. I'll, you know, I don't know if anybody will read this stuff, but I have a great time writing it. So yeah. and learning it. And uh, so I'll just keep on keeping on. Yeah, <laughs> please, please do. And Todd, that's what's so so funny to me is especially growing up in a more reformed, conservative, I mean, borderline fundamentalist kind of environment, it's a, you are always taught not to trust your own thinking. Mm -hmm. You are always taught not to trust your mind. And, and I just, I think the further I get away from that, and some people would say that that's, that's exactly why you're thinking like that, Chris, because mm -hmm. you're getting further and further away from that. But the, the more I can kind of look at it from a overhead view, I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, why, why would I not trust my own thinking? Why, if, if, I, as you said, if I have the mind of Christ, if, if he who is in me will do greater things than Jesus himself did, mm -hmm. then why, why would I not trust my own intuition as someone who is indwelt by that spirit? Exactly. And, and so I, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested. I, I was even having this conversation with someone earlier about the how we have kind of come we we've kind of compartmentalized like uh body and mind and instead of recognizing that the mind is is a part of your body like there's literally 
physical ramifications for the way that you think about yourself. But not only that, the way that you think about your own mind affects the way that you think. Mm -hmm. So you can't, if you think that your mind is a worm or totally depraved or, or whatever, of course, you're not going to have any confidence in what you're thinking, or you're never going to actually change. And that's the, that's the huge problem in, in the American church. I think as you look at the the gospel that was presented by the apostles is that Jesus died, descended into Hades and rose from the dead. And there's so much in there to like marvel about and yeah. contemplate yeah. and meditate. But now it's like, yeah, Jesus died. Here's the atonement theory you need to hold to. Right. Uh, Jesus maybe descended into hell. That could just be uh, mythology. Who knows? And then, yeah, he rose from the dead. And if you don't believe in him before you die, you're going to go to hell forever. Right. And so there's so much that we've kind of like put into those open spaces. And so I, I'm interested to to hear what you would have to say about like, I don't, I don't want to say mental restrictions because that sounds kind of condescending, but that idea of we've kind of limited our capacity to contemplate and meditate and think for ourselves. Right. The, um, you mentioned worms. Um, Keith just, Keith Giles just did a presentation at the Nomad 2020 conference about worm theology. And I was oh. talking with him way before that. And I'd actually gone through something called worm training with um, Bishop Wellington Boone and Bishop Larry Jackson. I don't know if you're familiar with their work, but uh, mm. really great guys. Uh, but, you know, basically they were, you know, the teaching was you're a worm and you're crawling through the, the dirt of your sin. And, you know, that's just where you are and that you've got to, you know, learn how to live there. Uh, and stop trying to prop yourself up and this and that. It was just, I mean, and some of that stuff is still in my head uh, mm. years later. It's been like 15 years ago. Uh, and some of that worm training is still in my head. And uh, people point that out, you know, like, hey, you know, that sounds like something, uh, you know, something from worm training. But um, <sighs> back then it was like, yeah, this is great. You know, Bishop Boone is, is a great guy. And, and um, man, can he teach the Bible? What a great teacher of the, of the word. And he never uses notes. He just opens the Bible and starts going. And it's mm. like, whoa, I wish I, you know, I wish I had that. But um, he, he, he's, but you know, the worm training just kind of stays with you. And I think a lot of people uh, in churches have gotten that kind of, and maybe not necessarily worm training, but just that kind of training that, you know, and uh, like, for example, I went to um, a church uh, for Easter Sunday about, I think it was 2017 or 18. Uh, I hadn't been to church since I had left the pastorate. So it went, you know, at the request of a friend and it was nice and all, but they, you know, they had the praise band and every one of them looked like they'd been baptized in vinegar and just didn't want to be there. Um, <laughs> and then the message was basically this, um, you suck. And because you suck so much, Jesus had to come and die on a cross to, to fix the way that you suck. And the only way that you're going to no longer suck is to trust him with your, you know, with your heart, ask him into your life. And basically that was the Easter message. And I'm like, Whoa, cause I used yeah. to preach that same stuff. And yeah. like, you know, it's like a moment of ding, 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 ding. Um, but you know, that's, that's, that's where it really changed for me listening to that and realizing that I had perpetuated that for a long time myself um, it was like, okay, I've got to approach this from a position of grace because, mm. because we we're so short on grace these days. If, you know, if you don't believe me, just look at Facebook, um, read the comments, <laughs> but don't do that. Cause it's 
it's bitter, but um, it's life sucking. It is really talk about a psychic vampire. The comments on Facebook will just take it right out of you. Um, oh man! But the the grace comes in because we, you know we're not we're not perfect, but when we deconstruct, we tend to become um, cynical. Uh, just like we were before, you know, in the in the American conservative evangelical church, you know, we're cynical mm. about everybody else's beliefs and that, you know, ours is the only one that matters. And I caught myself going down that road after that service. I was like, yeah. you know what, this isn't going to work. I don't want to be like that anymore. So, you know, that's when, you know, I began to do more research and start writing the book and realize that, you know, people act and react to information. And whatever information that they have in front of them or what, you know, what they know, that's how they act and react. And the, the, the secret or the trick, if you will, is to learn, gain new information so that you can um, renew your mindsets on things and make better decisions and have better life outcomes. And it's, it's just uh, it's a win, win, win. But so many people are just stuck because, you know, their parents went to this church, their grandparents went to that church. Great grandpa was a Baptist preacher and they, you know, built this church from nothing and um, as a duty to your family and Muslims do this and, and Jewish people do this uh, to honor their family. They stay in the family religion and it just perpetuates for generations and generations. And I think the millennials now are starting to see the um, through the smoke and mirrors and, and, and see the how how utterly useless religion is man-made religion. Um as far as changing lives, helping people feel better, I think about all the people that you know, all the married, you know, married couples that I counseled with that were having problems, and almost all of them ended up getting divorced. And it's like, wow, they they must not believe the scriptures. Was my thought. But it's like, no, I didn't give them what they needed to mm -hmm. save their marriage. You know, uh, and that was grace. So, so grace has become a big part of my journey. Uh, and giving myself grace is hard to do, but we have to learn to do that. We have to learn to realize that it's it's okay to not know everything. Uh, we're mm. not expected to know everything. Um, and deconstruction doesn't mean okay. Now I've got to know everything so that I can you know help people in their reconstruction and go through this. But it, you don't. You don't have to know anything other than love God, love others, and everything else blossoms mm. from that. If if you'll just give yourself a break, give everybody else around you a break. Just understand that. Um, you know, people support a certain candidate because that's how they were raised. That's mm. that's what they know. That's the information that they've always been dealing with. And if they would do a little research into, you know, different candidates and different mindsets, you know, we might begin to see that this is not really helping anybody. It's just perpetuating conflict, um, mm. you know, which, you know, I don't even get me started on American history. You know, we've been at yeah. war for over 200 years that we've been a country. Um, and that, that's just because it makes people money. It's a, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a money making machine. If you can perpetuate war, certain people are going to make a lot of money off of it. Um, and we've just become so used to that, that we don't even think maybe this is wrong. Maybe there's a better way to do it. And one of the candidates mm -hmm. for um, president, she dropped out of course, but Marion, Marianne Williamson, um, one of her platforms was creating a department of peace instead of mm -hmm. having just a department of war, also have a department of peace and try to, you know, make peace part of everyday life as well. But um, she didn't make it to the to the finals, but I think she would have been a good, good strong candidate. But I love that, you know, Department of Peace, because we just don't have one. Mm. Everything is just chaos and war and arguing and disagreeing. And there's got to be a better way to live. And I just believe 
I'm, I'm crazy enough to believe that it starts in our brain. If we can just learn to renew our thoughts, think better thoughts, make better decisions, have better outcomes. It sounds simple. It's not. It's, it's difficult because, you know, for me, it was like I had to undo over 30 years of Southern Baptist doctrine um, and, and just let turn it loose, get rid of it. Mm. And that was hard because that's all I knew. Um, yeah. And I, and I began to feel guilty because, you know, I perpetuated that stuff for so long, but it's like, you know, God is not mad at me about that. He knew what was going on. He was, you know, he was not surprised by, you know, by my being a Southern Baptist, but now, you know, it's, it's different. Um, I'm just a, I'm a Jesus follower. That's what I do. Um, no more denominations, no more what, you know, religion. I'm, I follow Jesus and, you know, follow his example from scripture, the gospels and, um, Everything else in the Bible relates to Jesus. If you, you know, if you take time to look at it through the centuries, everything from Genesis to Revelation is, is about Jesus, even if they don't mention his name. But I mean, he's mm. like the centerpiece of humanity and, and yeah. the cross, the, res the crucifixion was the greatest act of love ever given to human to humanity. Um, I mean, he just put it all out there to show us that, you know, I'm, I, God became us and then he he did the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life, and I mean, great no greater love is shown than when you give your life for your friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Uh, and then to put a you know a exclamation point on it, you know, we had the resurrection. He you know he was vibrating at such a high frequency inside the tomb that death couldn't even hold him in. Um, mm. And so you know we had the resurrection, and now we have power to live. Um, and if we if we just Put in the work to learn. Um, that's one of my passions. I, I was a teacher for a few years. And, you know, to be a good teacher, you have to be a good student. And I've just been a student of life for most of my adult life. And I just, I like learning things. Uh, I like learning about the brain, for example. And there aren't many people that I can sit at dinner with and talk about it. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But... <laughs> But there, there are there are people out there. But you know, quantum mechanics and things like that, and how the universe all works together, um, makes me believe in God more, actually, mm, uh, not yeah. less. Um, but you know, there was a time when if I'd have brought up something like metaphysics or quantum physics, um, my Sunday school teachers, my pastor, they would have said, "Todd, we need to pray for you. We need to do it right now. Um, <laughs> we're going to lay on hands. We're going to get the anointing oil. We're going to pray these spirits out." Um, but you know, I, I have learned that everything matters. Every you know, William Paul Young in, in the shack, that was one of his um, pillars in that book. Everything matters. Even if it's a little mm. thing, if it's a big thing, everything matters. Uh, and I just love that. Um, everything matters. Even all those years that I was um, teaching a, a, an ugly theology and an ugly form of Christianity, it mattered. You know, maybe yeah. somewhere down the line, somebody was helped by something you know, that I did, maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I feel like, wow, you know, I just can't believe that I went that long <laughs> without, yeah. without realizing, you know, love God, love others. It's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, mm. I mean, it's not rocket science. Um, but it, 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 if more people would just take the time to learn, um, and, and improve, you know, in, add new information, um, for example, here's, this is something that I, I've been working on and that's perception. Um, perception is a big part of the renewing of our mind because what we perceive isn't often what's reality. For example, people you know, years ago, they believed that the earth was flat and they believed that the earth was flat because it looked flat. 
You walk outside, you look around, there's no round, it's all flat. Uh, yeah. As far as the eye can see. So yeah, we'll just assume that it's flat. No problem. But then, you know, um, Gal- people like Galileo and Aristosthenes and, and some of these other geniuses can't, you know, realize, you know, did some research and realized that, no, the earth is actually round. It's a, uh, um, you know, very perfect round shape. And, you know, at one time people thought that the, the universe revolved around us. Um, but, you know, we learned later in life that it doesn't, the, you know, the earth, the earth revolves around the sun, not, you know, not vice versa. But when we receive new information, then it changes our perception and we begin to perceive the world differently. A lot of people perceive God as this, you know, cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want you to enjoy your life. He doesn't want you to have any fun. He just wants you to stop doing this and stop doing that and think this and think that and do this and do that. And that's, that's God to them. God is a mean stepfather who's just waiting for them to screw up so that he can rub their noses in it and say, see, I told you so. But it's not that way at all. God is not that way at all. And how do we know that? Because we look at Jesus. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Mm -hmm. when we see Jesus, we don't see a bunch of theological, you know, abuse and church abuse. We see, you know, healing the sick, ministering to the poor, loving the marginalized. And and that's, that's God. Uh, you know, the Old Testament, one of my favorite passages, it's repeated over and over, is that, you know, God is um, uh, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. And I looked up that word relent one time, and it's the, the, it literally means repent. God repents. Mm-hmm. He changes his mind um, about punishing us. He doesn't do it. Um, and, and it's like, that's Jesus. Jesus does that. And so he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So, I mean, I look at Jesus and that's, that's how I understand God now. Um, how do you explain certain things in scripture? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a theologian. Some of it could be myth. Some of it could be just a, a reaction from the culture. Um, some of it could have been, you know, influenced by, you know, Greek philosophy. We don't know. Uh, even Paul quoted, you know, Greek poets. So he, you know, he was familiar with that as well. Maybe some of that came into his teachings. We don't know. What we do know is that the greatest commandment is to love God, love others. It's, 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 it's simple. It's hard, but it's so simple. And you can really build something beautiful on that. Mm, Yeah. And that's what something that's so interesting about, about Jesus. And I, I keep thinking about this pretty much on an everyday basis at this point. But I, I think about that moment where Jesus is asked uh, whether or not a man can di- or how a man can divorce his wife. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, the only reason that law was given to you was because your heart was hardened. And I, I'm beginning, the further I go, the more and more I wonder if Jesus is referring to that specific law or if he's referring to the law in totality. If he's saying, mm-hmm. the you were given the law because your heart was hardened Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting i don't know i find it so interesting that your heart was hardened like it it was hardened but it's not anymore right like in 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 the encounter with jesus your heart is no longer hardened and so but with that being said it's easy to probably it probably wouldn't be too easy nowadays to follow levitical law it's easy to look at some of the commands in, in the epistles be like, Oh, well, women should be silent in church and they should cover their heads mm-hmm. and men cut their hair and all these things. It's easy to make a, make a, a, a worldview out of that, but to make a worldview out of 
love God and love neighbor. And it's interesting how in the biblical text, they kind of become these synonymous things mm-hmm. of to love your neighbor is to love God and to love God is to love your neighbor. Exactly. Right? So, it, But as, as philosophy changes and worldview changes and science develops and all these things change within our, I mean, you think about what loving your neighbor looks like in the 21st century, it's completely different from loving your neighbor in the, in the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th century, mm-hmm. because around more people we have the capacity to be involved with more worldviews the world's becoming a more uh, inclusive place of of different uh, experiences and and backgrounds and and uh practices that right. the the question becomes harder and harder to ask which is so frustrating to see kind of the evangelical church but i mean it's as you, as we've talked about already it it makes perfect sense as to why they're doubling down mm-hmm. and to even kind of give to postmodernism is basically like, well, you're just a moral relativist and you're a, you're a Marxist and you're a co- like all these accusations that get thrown around. And you're like, I'm just trying to be a more loving person. So like, many why? labels. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's exhausting. It, it, and most of the labels, it's like, it's just clear that you don't know what, like, you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm like, why, why am I even sitting here? And, and a but, lot of that comes from upbringing. Um, Mm. people don't like to face that, but you know, maybe just influence, maybe their parents didn't sit them down and say, okay, here's who you have to hate, but just, just, you know, growing up in a system that teaches you what you're against instead of what you're for, it just kind of comes out in everyday life. And, and Americans especially love to say, well, I have the right to own a firearm and I have the right to free speech and I have the right to vote for who I want. Um, but we also have the right to evolve. We have the right to evolve and get smarter and get better and, and become better hum, human beings and, and reflect the love of God all over the world. Um, and if, if we could do that, I, I, there would be such a change in the world. It would, it, it would, I can't even describe what it would look like. It is just, it's such a, a dream right now. But, um, you know, if I can add a small voice to that, I, I definitely want to. There's so much hatred right now and so much anger and so much division in this country. And if we would just stop reading the comments and stop, you know, getting our news from social media and do Mm. the research ourselves and really look into the issues that exist today, we begin to see a couple of things. First, we see that it's really not that bad. Um, Mm, Yeah. Because, you know, when I was at, um, when, when the president, when President Obama was in office uh, and he did the, um, the whole healthcare thing, uh, I was teaching healthcare students at, at a local technical college here. And so I thought, if I want to be a good teacher, I really need to look at this this thing. And so I read all, you know, 1,000 pages of the the American, um, you know, Obamacare is what we call it now. But there was a patient protection and something act I forgot. But um, mm-hmm. you know, reading that, it's like it wasn't that bad. Um, you know, mm-hmm. no pre-existing conditions. That's a good thing. Because, you know, working in the insurance industry, as I I did for a long time, that was something that people got turned down for all the time. I'm sorry, we Mm. can't pay your claim because, you you know, this was a pre-existing condition. And that's just not fair to people. Um, You know, I didn't mean to have this disease before and get healed from it. And then I have it again. Um, That's not fair. And so there was just a lot of a lot of a lot of it was geared towards. Uh, and I'm not getting political here. I'm just saying I read the thing and I can tell you it wasn't as evil as it was made out to be. Um, a lot of it 
was geared towards helping everyday people. What's wrong with that? What is so yeah. wrong about helping people? Well, they need to help yeah. themselves. And God helps those who helps themselves, which, by the way, is not in the Bible anywhere. And I don't yeah. even think the early church fathers taught that. I think it's just something that some nutcase came up with and started spreading it around. And it made sense. People started doing it. But um, yeah, yeah, there is a there is a benefit to being able to help yourself and help others. Um, but yeah. some people just can't. They're not there yet. They're struggling. Yeah. They're hurting. They're, um, I mean, we just created a culture where you can make more money being single with children than you can having a college degree and a job. Seriously. Hmm. Um, we've just created that system. And it, there's nothing wrong with helping people. But we need to understand that it's not just, it, it can't just stop there. It's got to continue. We've got to help them get better not just pay their bills, but help them learn how to be better human beings. Um, and that's that's what the renewing of the mind is all about. And, and Paul just put it in the perfect place uh, in Romans. Um, you know, Romans, you know, every chapter was, you know, about, you know, here's how we do this. Here's the doctrine of this and the doctrine of that. Um, and then he comes to chapter 11. He's like, who has known the mind of the Lord? Nobody. You know, who can be his counselor? No one. Um, and then he says, therefore... So right in the middle of all that, there's a therefore, and he says, you know, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and I'm, I, I just, the fact that it was right there at that particular spot, it has always confounded me in a good way. I think it's really cool yeah. that it just, you know, a pastor friend of mine, David Cox used to say in, in church, when you see a therefore, you need to ask what's it there for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love that. But um uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, just why did he put it there? It's like, I've just given you all this theology. But then I said, who can really know what God wants? Nobody. And he said, therefore, you know, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, which is religion, which is um, conformity, which is um, following suit and being like everybody else. You know, don't have an original thought. Um, <laughs> don't think for yourself because that's too dangerous. Let us do the thinking for you. Um, and don't be conformed to that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so it's kind of our responsibility. It's a, it's a volitional thing that we choose to, you know, renew our mind. And the way to, the best way to do that is, you know, by gaining new and better and more accurate information like the earth is round. That changed history. Um, mm -hmm. You know, God is not some cosmic, you know, guy that just wants to beat us up every time we mess up. He's like Jesus. Jesus is like God and the Holy Spirit is, you know, grace um, in the midst of all of that. And if, and if mm. we could just get a hold of some of this and let go of some of the things that aren't working, um, I think, you know, I think we could really make a difference in the world. And the, the science behind that is called neuroplasticity. Um, the brain actually has the ability to reorganize the synaptic um connections, especially in response to a learning or, or an experience or even following an injury. You know, for example, you touch a hot stove, it burns, you never touch it again. You've learned your lesson. That's neuroplasticity. Um, mm. You know, my father was an alcoholic and very abusive. Um, and so to think of God as a father was just too hard for me. I couldn't, I couldn't do that for the longest time. And then I read the shack and God was a woman. It's like, holy cow. Uh, it's like, hmm. who thought, who would have thought, you know? Uh, yeah. and, and there's even verses in Isaiah that, you know, where God speaks of, you know, as a mother. Um, mm. And it's like, wow, because, you know, he's really not male or female. God is spirit. Yeah. And, and um, 
So, you know, neither, you know, neither one. But when we start seeing that, that God is not my alcoholic father, God is not my neurotic mother, God is not, you know, my family life growing up, you know, it, it you, when you begin to see the, the truth and we begin to see better information, um, neuroplasticity begins begin sending those synaptic impulses, those new ones, and then literally reorganizing or renewing your mindset. And then those thoughts make their way into the subconscious mind, which is where we do 90% of our thinking, believe it or not. And as mm. new thoughts are repeated over time, um, they begin to form new beliefs in your subconscious that literally transform the way you look at life and the way you behave. And it is, it is such a major factor when we think about the renewing and the reorganizing of our mind, it, it starts there. We, we take in new information and we let it process. For some people, it might take years to process. For others, it might take days. Um, but let it process. Give yourself the grace to let that stuff fester and, and learn to flesh it out and, and make it part of your life. I mean, all of the guys in the 80s and 90s that are talking about how to get rich, this is the stuff that they were talking about. You know, change your thinking change your outcomes. Um, and it was all about making money, of course. And even the law of attraction has been kind of hijacked to a, a huge money-making thing, but um, it, 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 it works. You know, what you think about, you, you bring about. And if you're always thinking, well, my life sucks and it's doom and gloom and everybody hates me and I don't have anything and they have something, I don't have it. Um, we begin to act like that. And, mm. and then we don't realize that we're probably causing 99% of our problems just with our attitude, with, with our lack of um, information. And if we begin to look at things differently, take responsibility for our thoughts and our actions, and uh, well, maybe it is my fault that I'm here. Um, you know, guy gets divorced once, that's, that's one thing. If it happens a second time, then you got to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Um, mm. You know, and it, there's, you know, we just have to be authentic with ourselves. And and allow ourselves to feel the feelings that we have and, and deal with it. Uh, I could just go on, on and on about that. I was, I've been in therapy like three times in the last few years, and I just learned so many great stuff like that. But um, mm. learning to be, you know, present right now, learning the information, you know, gaining new knowledge. There's so much stuff out there, thousands and thousands and thousands of books. Um, people don't like to read books anymore. You know, I've, I've, I've heard people say that I've even had friends of mine say, you know, don't bother, you know, telling me about your book because I'm not going to read it. I don't read books. It's like, oh, OK. And, you know, that explains a lot. <laughs> but um, I mean, we just we need to take the responsibility and, and we need to take the initiative to learn. Um, Jim Rohn, the great um, late philosopher, a business philosopher, he you know, that was one of his things. Learn, 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 learn new information Buy the book, go to the seminar listen to the tapes. Um, I'm dating myself there, but um, <laughs> now it's podcast, but, you know, listen to that stuff. Um, and, it, and, it, and it really helps. Mm. It's not always lightning in the sky. God's transforming my life, you know, in this big ball of excitement. Sometimes it's just subtle. You, mm. you begin to realize that I don't see things the way that I used to. Um, and I think prejudice would disappear and, envy would disappear and so many so many things that that hold us back from being all that we we are able and meant to be uh it, once we deal with those things we can we can begin to grow and evolve and transcend um where we are now because that's what life is about so many people die unhappy and they don't realize that if i had just grabbed some knowledge that's out there i might not have been so unhappy 
Mm. And it's not magic and it's not a hundred percent, but the, the idea is sound. If you, if you'll just try, try to learn new things, try to put new things into practice, you will begin to see a change. And when you mm. see that change, it'll encourage you like, Hey, maybe I need to learn some more stuff. Uh, maybe this isn't so bad after all. And it, it just, it just makes it to me, it makes sense. It makes sense that God gave us this brain. It controls so much. And some people say that, you know, the human being only uses about 10% of their total brain capacity in their entire life. I think that has been debunked, but just the thought that, you know, we use such a small portion of our brain and there, you know, there's a lot more that we could be using and learning how to use that and tap into that. Uh, that's just become my, my ambition right now, just to find out how to tap into that. And, uh, there's so many great teachers out there, so many great books. Um, YouTube is a gold mine of mm. information and it's free. And because, you know, and not everything is free. Books aren't free. Seminars aren't free, but you can go to YouTube and you can look up just about anything and, and get it. And it's, it's no, no charge. The only thing it will cost you is time. And that's worth, that's time worth investing in my opinion, um, to learn mm. something new and something that's going to help you. Uh, be the best possible you that you can be. And I think that we should, that we should struggle to do that our whole lives. We should never stop trying to be the the very best us and we'll never get there. We'll never, we'll never arrive at that perfect, you know, perfection. But as we get better and better and better and better, you know, we begin to change our world, change the world around us. People can begin to see that there's something that you have that they want to have. And um, I mean, it's just a, wow, I, I, I get myself yeah. talking like this and I can't stop, but yeah, it, it, I, I mean, I just, I'm so passionate about this stuff that, you know, and what I've learned in, in my mental health treatment that, you know, that, that I've received is how, how messed up my mind was. Yeah. And that is what was causing a lot of my depression and anxiety and, and feelings of worthlessness and guilt and shame. All of that was coming from an improper understanding of how things really are. And when you begin to see things mm. as they really are, you begin to realize, hey, I'm wrong. I'm not so bad after all. God didn't make no junk, whatever, you know, however you want to look at it. But um, it, it really helps. And it's a process. Um, mm. it, it's not something that you're just going to get and it's over. You're you're suddenly happy. But, you know, as you process this information, allow it to take root in your subconscious, you, you'll begin to under, you'll begin to see that you're you're thinking differently. You're acting differently. You're whistling in the morning. Uh, and you, just, you don't even realize it. You're, you, you go outside and you hear the birds singing and you've never listened to them before, but all of a sudden there they are. And the sky is so blue today. And you just begin to see things differently um, when, when, you know, when we change our, our thinking. And, and I, I just think politics and religion um, and banks have pretty much destroyed humanity. We, they have taken us backwards in our, in our yeah. evolution, I think. Um, and, it, and, and we can stop that. We can change that. Um, but every individual has to take responsibility for their brain and start start putting it to work, start using it the way it was meant to be used. So. Yeah. And, and that's what's so fascinating to me, Todd, at this stage in, in human evolution or cultural evolution and development, we really do live in an age where there is absolutely no excuse. Right. But we, I mean, it, people my, like myself, I mean, I remember in high school, I mean, I, I was a 
I, I, I always joke that I felt called into ministry at 16. And so high school became irrelevant. And mm. so I just became a really lousy student. It's <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to go to Bible college. Who cares? Right. Um, and, you know, it's funny because once I started doing Bible classes, I became a much better student mm. because I was interested in what I was doing. But no one ever told me that I needed to be interested, like that these things were for my betterment. Mm-hmm. Like the, the higher my GPA was, I like... I would probably go to a better school or, or whatever the situation may be, but that's not I, the further I get from that in retrospect, that's not anyone's fault, but my own, like one simple Google search, I would have understood how that worked. Mm-hmm. So we really do live in an age where it's like, you, I mean, you mentioned religion, um, politics and banks. And it's like, if you want to learn about uh, different atonement theories or uh, racial injustice within the church or, uh, the scandals within the Catholic church, Google, like you mm-hmm. get all these, you can educate yourself, uh, politics. Uh, if you want to understand what's going on in the current political geopolitical climate, whether it be uh, global warming or the Jeffrey Epstein scandal or anything, you can literally Google it mm-hmm. and you can educate yourself or even banks. It, I mean, you want to know how the stock market works? Google, like we, right. we literally live in an age where, it's at our fingertips. And so it's so interesting to me when, and I'm, I haven't always been this way. I had to get smacked in the face a couple of times to, to get to this point, but where me too, it, it, it is my best friend. Like there, there's nothing I can't know mm-hmm. where I'm at. So it, it makes no sense to me when I, I, I just had this conversation with a friend of like, we're talking about Jesus and we we're talking about American evangelical Jesus. And I was like, you know, I really think you should read the universal Christ by Richard Rohr. And they're like, oh, no, like, I don't really read books. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, it's on audio. Like, oh, like, I don't like books. It's like, okay, well, he actually has a podcast that's three seasons long. It's like, you know, I just don't really like lectures like that. And it's like, well, then, like, how are you ever going to grow as a person? When, right. when are we going to start going from – it's like if you're so frustrated with what you understand the world to be now, when are we going to move to a different place in life? And so I guess – I mean, we've kind of gone a little over, but I, I would be interested to hear, or I would love to hear what you would have to say. What is it? I mean, especially right now with, I mean, you talk about geopolitical problems like coronavirus or glo- like big, big, big issues like global warming or uh, racial inequality in this country, all of these things. And there's all these new studies and new things that are coming in to a new and not even new. I mean, especially with with uh, with the racial problems that we're facing in this country, there's stories that are hundreds of years old that are recirculating. And every time something like this happens, they recirculate mm-hmm. and then they go away again, and no one ever learns from them. Like I, I think if I if if one more tragedy happens and I hear about Black Wall Street one more time, and no one, there's not like a mass outcry of "Wow, we have screwed up," like we have like we. The, the ways that we've treated African-Americans in this country, especially successful African-Americans mm-hmm. or, or the, even the idea of African-Americans being successful outside of places for our own entertainment, we've really screwed up and we need to turn around and, and fix this. Now, I think I'm going to, my head's going to explode right. because it's like how all of this information is here. We have all these facts. We have all this truth. We have all this pain right in front of us and we're just not accepting it we're just completely nope, like not, not going to touch it. Not going to, not going to listen. So what is it about a person where you can see all this, but you're, you just, 
your mind is not renewed, your heart is hard, whatever the lingo you want to say, it's just not touching you. Yeah, it's just it's just a couple of simple things, really. Um, pride is a big factor. You know, I don't I don't need to learn anything else. I know everything I need to know. I actually had a a, a gentleman in a church that I was at. I asked him that. I said, Do you, are you saying that you don't need to learn anything new? He's like, no, sir, I, I've learned everything I need to learn. I don't ever have to learn anything ever again. Um, I was like, man, I feel sorry for you because wow. Yeah. And back then we had to go to the library to get, you know, information and things. But now it's like you said, it's right there at our, at our smartphones. Our smartphones have more technology than it took to put man on the moon. And we've got this in our hands, but how do we use it? We argue, we fight, we um, find something and don't verify it and then share it with everybody as if it's a fact. Um, and that's just, that's where, you know, mindset comes in. We've just got to change that. Somebody told me once that Google is a uh, Russian spy thing um, that every time you do a <laughs> search in Google, they're, you know, entering your home through your computer. And just, like, where did that come from? Everything that we think we know started somewhere, obviously. And we just mm. have to kind of backtrack. Where did that come from? Is that, I mean, because that's not true. And then somebody said something to me. I don't even want to say this on, on the air, but um, a pastor's wife once said to me that Michelle Obama was a man. Um, and you probably heard that theory. I don't know if it's still going around, but it's like, what? Yeah. And and she had, you know, quote unquote facts to support that mindset. Oh. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's, that's just, yeah. that's not, it can't be right. Um, yeah. No. Just, we, we, we listen to little things like that. And we just allow that to become the, the, the catalyst of our beliefs. And, and pride causes us to say, well, if I do what you're saying, then I'm going to have to admit that, you know, I'm 52 years old right now and I've been wrong for mm. almost all of those 52 years and I have to learn something new. I don't, I don't want to admit that to myself. So there's a, a need to change your mindset and then there's a need, there's a fear of being authentic, uh, honest with yourself. Uh, and and I, I admit from my own experience, it's hard to admit, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe yeah. I'm the one that's been, you know, that's been making the mess here and not everybody else. But it, it, it really is a, um, it, after, you know, after you process it some, it's really a wonderful feeling to be like, wow, I don't have to be um, hijacked by that knowledge anymore, that false knowledge. Um, and, you know, we, we, we talk about fake fake news nowadays. That's, you know, a thing that came out of this administration. Um, and <laughs> maybe they're right. Maybe there is a certain part to newscasting that is more sensationalism than it is actual truth and journalism. And I don't know that for mm. sure. So I just have to, you know, I have to try to find the best sources that I can find for information like that and just trust that they're, that they're doing a good job. And if I, if I see something different, I'll believe it differently. But you know, so many people have written so many great books and I just wish people would understand that, you know, reading a book is not going to ruin your life at the very least. It might actually help you uh, mm, as a person. Yeah. Um, I read all of the classics. I went through this thing where I read, you know, Tom Jones and uh, Moby Dick and all, you know, all of these classics that I skipped over in high school because I didn't think it mattered. But, you know, years ago I started reading through them as like, man, I really missed some good stuff. Um mm. And you might say, well, yeah, you're a dork, but seriously though, it, it really, you know, really was profound. It was like, man, this is good stuff. Uh, and I just wasn't ready to receive it back in high school. But, you know, as an adult, I was able to take it in and appreciate it. Um, and I think we can do that if, if we'll try, if we'll just pick up a book and try to read it, even if it takes a year, read the book. Um, 
Yeah. And and just try and see what happens. Realize that your life is not going to come crashing down on you because you learned something new. And it's not going to come crashing in on you because you're wrong. God gives mm. us grace because he yeah. knows that we're going to be wrong. Um, and so grace tells us it's okay to be wrong. It's it's not okay to stay wrong when you know that there's better information out there. But um, but there's still all that grace for us, and, and God lets us proceed at our own pace, and He doesn't rush us in our in our in our growth and our evolution and our transcending. But um, it, you got to start somewhere, and a book is a great place to start, I believe. Mm. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think I was going to ask you where where do we start, but I think that's the the best most perfect place to to start is by opening a book and and, and like you said, Google. Book. And podcasting. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands of great podcasts out there. I'm so behind on mine. Uh, I don't know yeah. if I'll ever catch up, but um, maybe if I take a long road trip sometime soon, I can go ahead and knock some of those out. But um, I love listening to podcasts, um, mm. especially, you know, and there are those that, that are uh, like your podcast and Jason Elam's and uh, so many others that are like-minded that, that speak the language that I understand. Uh, and I learn so much every time I, listen to one of those or, or read one of their books or, or listen to one of their messages or uh, even a song can change your life. Um, yeah. And it's just, there's so much that you can learn and experience. And if you're, if you're not doing that, if you're just stuck, you know, with 300 channels and a case of beer on the weekends, if that's all that matters to you, something in your life has got to change because that, mm -hmm. that's only going to get you so far. And then you're just going to be ignorant and one of the things that really upsets me more than anything is willful ignorance, knowing that there are better facts, but choosing to ignore them because I don't want any part of that. Um, yeah. It's just, you're doing yourself such an injustice and it just, it, that's, I mean, it really makes me sad. I get really fired up about this obviously, but um, I mm. pray for people and I just hope that, you know, that something happens, something changes with them that, you know, that they, begin to see that there's value in learning, even if it's just a little something. I, I pick up my phone all the time and I Google something. I'm so used to doing that. If I'm, if I have a question about something, I just grab my phone and Google it. And there's all the information that I need right there about what I'm thinking about. And then I can end up getting lost in that information. Um, yeah. for, for, you know, you suddenly you realize that an hour and a half has gone by and you're still reading and looking. It's like, wow, this is great stuff. Uh, and well worth the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Todd, I, we're, we're coming close to the end of our time here, but I, I guess I have one more question for you. Where, so where can people find you and, and what are you working on now? Um, or are you working on it? Yeah, right now? I have a, um, I have a website, toddrvic.net. Um, mm -hmm. And there you'll find everything you need to know about where to find me on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can join my email list and I don't email unless I have something to say. Um, which is not very often, but you know, if something's coming up and I want to share with somebody an event or something, I'll, I'll email it out. Uh, and then, um, like I said, I've just finished my second book uh, earlier this year and it's with the publisher right now, Acquire Publishing, waiting its turn to be published. And I'm just very excited about that. And then I've already started uh, on the third book. And so writing right now is just kind of how I'm processing everything in my life, just writing about it. And hopefully somebody will read it and it will be like, wow, I needed to hear that today. Or yeah, I understand exactly what he means and how, how wonderful it is that I'm not the only person out there that thinks like this. And just, you know, if it can help one person, I'm, I'm thrilled. 
Uh, and that's what mm -hmm. I said about my first book. If one person picks it up and it really helps them, then that's, you know, mission accomplished. Um, and it's been so much more than, than that. And I'm just so pleased with how it's gone. And, and I hope that the, the next two books do well. And then there's something I'm working on after that. I've got so many ideas that I'm processing and trying to research and learn. And, um, so I, you know, spend a lot of time reading, spend a lot of time pot, listening to podcasts and Googling and thinking, you know, just, you know, every now and then you have to stop and have a think, um, and just process this stuff. Uh, and, and it's just, it, it, I love it. I love using my brain and, and I hope everybody else gets on board with that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Me, you, you and me both, Todd. <laughs> well, I guess to, to close things out and I always do this at the very end, but, um, I, uh, obviously the show is about faith and practicality as, as it changes and, and kind of giving people practical ways to cultivate a spiritual experience um, as the ground that they're standing on is kind of giving. And, mm -hmm. and one of the practices I really believe is, um, is lacking in, in the church and, and just in our culture in general is, is the practice of encouraging each other. Mm -hmm. And so I just really want to encourage you, Todd. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how, so many of the people in this community are or used to be pastors. Um, yeah. and, and it's a, and, and it shows in, in your guys's hearts and in your guys's words and in the ways that you talk about, uh, problems that we're facing as a society problems that the church is facing problems that individuals are facing that you guys care about these people. And I think that's, what's so powerful about this deconstruction, reconstruction, movement is there are so many people that are leading the charge and, and bringing their own experiences to the table that have this pastoral heart where we've kind of idolized this idea of what a pastor is. It's like, oh, it's the person that uh, gets up on a Sunday morning in a suit and tie and tells me what I want to hear mm -hmm. every Sunday. Exactly. But it's so much more than that. And and it's so it's so encouraging to me as someone who who has dreamt of being a pastor since he was 16 uh, to, to see men older than myself who, who are redefining that word for me. And so I just want to let you know that I'm very encouraged by your work and I'm super excited to see what comes next with choir and with your podcast. Um, but please, please tell me, tell us about the podcast really quick. Cause you sure. didn't plug that. I want to make sure that's, that's accessible to people. Yeah. It's uh, it's called the reconstruction rebel podcast. It's available on um, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, and of course, Podbean. But um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you'll find it. And it's just a simple um, podcast, nothing fancy about it. Um, I've always been kind of a rebel in my mind about, especially against, you know, the the mindset of the church. Even when I was a teenager, you know, I was criticized because I had long hair. So I just grew it longer. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's how I've always been. And so uh, in Reconstruction, there, you know, even, even in Reconstruction, Deconstruction, there are... Um, there are people that are trying to say it has to be done this way. Um, and I, I disagree. I think it's just, mm. you know, whatever way you do it, that's how it's done for you. Uh, and so yeah. we, we kind of rebel against that stuff in a loving way, um, rebel against culture and, and the things that, that we disagree with and just try to find hope in all of that. And I've just had some wonderful guests on. Uh, we've had a couple of great episodes about racism and things, and I, I hope people tune in and check it out. Yeah, no, they should. And and to anyone listening, please go check out that show. I love, I personally love what Todd's doing. I love his heart. I love the, the way that he 
brings the science of the mind into these things because it's so easy to kind of have this be a, a gray area. But Todd, like I said, I'm so encouraged by your work and so spurred on to continue in, in the ways that I'm going and, and also to, to look at myself in an honest mirror and be like, am I doing right? But also to, to push myself to find new information, but also to recognize that there is grace. So I don't have to feel shame mm -hmm. when I recognize that I'm wrong. So thank you for everything that you do. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today. My pleasure.